Hi, you welcome to my podcast. I'm Mshade Regan, clinical officer. Today we are discussing about bronchiolitis. So let's use a hypothetical case. Um, you're alerted by your nurse that you have a mother with a sick child and you ask her to come in. What are the first differential diagnoses that are in your mind by that time, by the time the mother comes in. When you receive this child with cough, fever, and difficulty in breathing, what are the first differentials that come in your mind? Obviously, you'll be thinking of pneumonia, you'll be thinking of bronchiolitis, you'll be thinking of asthma, you'll be thinking of a foreign body, You'll be thinking of a congenital heart disease. It's really, it's really a lot. In the office or at the bedside, how will you differentiate bronchiolitis from asthma, pneumonia, or a foreign body? Of course, the child with bronchiolitis, um, this will be a child typically less than two years, who on your assessment has a whiz, but the mother or the caretaker reports a history of fever, cough, runny nose, or nasal congestion. This history usually runs two to four days, maximum five days, then now followed by an episode of difficulty in breathing, which is usually a whiz. That is the typical presentation of bronchiolitis. However, a child with that will have a history of wheezing before. There will be a recurrent wheeze. Or there will be a first wheeze in a person with a history of asthma or with a family history of asthma or with a history of atopy. Atopy is nasal atopy, which is allergic. Atopic rhinitis, if you remember. A child with pneumonia will be will appear more toxic, will appear with high fevers, high grade fevers, and the general look will be a sick child with severe disease. And on chest examination, there will be focal chest findings, usually not a wheeze, but crackles or crepitations. A child with a foreign body, however, will have symptoms of a more sudden onset symptoms of a more sudden onset without a history of fever, a history of nasal congestion, or a history of coughing. It will be sudden onset coughing and probably respiratory distress. Before we proceed with bronchiolitis, we would like to remind ourselves what are the important aspects in examining this child with respiratory distress in general. Any child with respiratory distress who presents to your clinic or your office. In medical school, we all learned how to examine a sick patient, and that doesn't change. However, in a child with respiratory distress who presents to your office, the aspects you focus on are mainly three. One is the appearance. Two, the breathing, or the work of breathing, or the respiration. And four, I mean three, the saturation. On appearance, what do you look at? This is basically like the APGA. 
you look at the thorn, the muscle thorn, how is the child? Is the child just laying down? Is the child rigid? Because you have in your mind things like whooping cough, you have in your mind things like polio. Then the interactivity of the child. Is the child lethargic? Is the child interactive? Is the child sleeping? Then there's consolability. Is the child irritable? Or the child cries and stops? And then um, the look or gaze of a child. Look or gaze tells you about one, toxic. Toxic children have a toxic look. Two, um, look also focuses, like it tells you about the child's interest, takes you back to lethargy, child's interest in the surroundings. Three, the look also tells you about um, dehydration, sunken eyes. So the other aspect we look at in appearance is the speech or cry of a child. Does the child speak in full sentences? Does the child cry and stop and pause every second, typically seen in asthma? That is all about appearance. We look at the tone, interactiveness, consolability, the look slash gaze, and the speech or cry. On breathing, the key aspect of breathing is the respiratory rate. You have to remember that uh, as a child grows, the average respiratory rate keeps changing. At birth or at term, it will be an average of 50 in that anywhere above 60 will be abnormal. By six months, 40 is an average, which means anywhere above 40 is uh, distress. By one year, the average is 30 breaths per minute, which means anywhere above 30 is distress. Apart from the respiratory rate, we also look at other signs of respiratory distress which include um, abnormal breath sounds, wheezing in uh, constrictive conditions or restrictive conditions, uh, crepitations in consolidative co uh, conditions, and grunting in upper airway conditions or falling bodies. The next we look at tripoding, tripod stand. Children typically take a tripod stand when they are in respiratory distress. We also look at um, retractions, chest in drawings, retractions of the respiratory muscles, which can be seen on the chest wall, either between the ribs or at the lower end of the chest, where the diaphragm is. We also look at nasofriaring as a sign of respiratory distress. So that is all about uh, breathing or respiration. On saturation, saturation tells us about conditions which could be of cardiovascular origin. So we look at pala, a child with pala. Any child with respiratory distress should be assessed for pala. Then there's mottling and there's cyanosis. So to sum it up, on a, there's you assess appearance, tone interactiveness, consolability, look, guess, speech, and cry. Then on breathing, you'll assess the respiratory rate and other signs of respiratory distress. On saturation, you'll assess for pala, motoring, and cyanosis. You now have your suspicion of bronchiolitis. What investigations can you do to confirm your diagnosis?
No investigation is required for the diagnosis of bronchiolitis routinely. Diagnosis can be made from clinical examination and from history. Because chest x-rays are the gold standard for diagnosis of conditions which present with respiratory distress. However, they can cause inappropriate antibiotic use. So chest x-rays are only recommended if the diagnosis is not clear, if you think you're missing anything, if pneumonia is suspected, if a response to treatment is not as expected, if there is a toxic appearance, like we said in pneumonia, or if there is severe respiratory distress because you could be looking at a foreign body. As we know, these children never present with just one infection. There is always a bacterial infection here and a bacterial infection there. So what criteria do you use to decide who to work up, who to do other investigations for other infections? The children who would require a serious workup for a bacterial infection include the following uh, neonates. Any unit with fever obviously uh, requires a full workup, SEBC, C-reactive protein, ESR, for bacterial infection and should be started on antibiotics, even without the investigations. Two, any child with signs of sepsis or impending shock, that is, if you suspect saturatory corrupts, if there is a very toxic look, you should do a full workup. CBC, ESR, and the like. Then, children with a suspected UTI, uh, like we know, females are more at risk, and diaper children are also more at risk, so a urinalysis should be done to rule out the UTI. Then, in my own practice, any child from a malaria-infested area, a malaria endemic area, requires a routine blood smear or a routine MRDT if they are presenting with fever, even if you suspect bronchiolitis. You've now come to your diagnosis of bronchiolitis. What treatment options are currently available in a child who presents with bronchiolitis? Bronchiolitis is a typically self-limiting illness, so the management we give is mainly supportive. Usually, these are the options we always go with. Um, oxygen therapy, uh, rehydration, antipyretics. Let us discuss each one separately. Antipyretics, any child with a fever definitely needs to get that fever controlled. Uh, fever, op uh, fever control options, um, they are mainly according to you as a clinician. You make your own decisions. Rectodiclofenac, rectoparacetamol, 15 milligrams per kilogram, whichever you prefer. Oxygen therapy is recommended if the oxygen saturations go below 90%, which is a common occurrence. Most of these children, when they are ill, they have poor fluid intake, which means Probably they will be dehydrated <coughs> or they are getting dehydrated. So depending on the hydration status, give IV fluids. Those are the main recommended treatments. However, 
there are other treatments which are trial treatments which have um, non-consistent results but are always worth a try in a child with bronchiolitis. Uh, these include one, nasosuctioning. Nasosuctioning, its importance is to decongest the nose. Babies or children usually are obligate, mm, uh, they are obligate nose breathers, if I can say. They mainly breathe through the nose. It's hard for them to breathe through the mouth, which means clearing the nose plays a big role in easing on the respiration. Two, hypertonic saline, hypertonic saline, which is usually um, 3% or even up to 12% saline. This saline can be given as drops or nebulized. Mm. Uh, by theory, uh, saline reduces airway edema, which increases on the airway diameters, which could ease on the respiratory distress. Also, it reduces on mucus plugging since it is a mucolytic. This means uh, giving naso saline would aim in reducing on the respiratory distress by clearing the airways. However, it's only a temporary measure. It shouldn't be something which should be given for over a long time. It just reduces on the nasal congestion, which increases oxygenation, which is a key factor in getting better for this child. The second, uh, the third option is nebulizing epinephrine. Mm. Nebulizing epinephrine, uh, Epinephrine is always not premixed, so you have to mix one mil of epinephrine in one liter of saline and nebulize it. The trials which have been done are really so good and it's, some, it's something worth a try. However, the absence of nebulizers in many facilities make this not a frequent option, but it's always worth a try. It reduces on the admission rates. The other option is um, oral steroids. As much as oral dexamethasone or prednisolone or betamethasone are not recommended routinely, when in combination with epinephrine, they have high success rates in children with bronchiolitis. What treatment options are not recommended in the routine treatment of bronchiolitis. There are many treatment modalities which are given in our daily practice but which are of no importance in the management of bronchiolitis. These include uh, salbutamol, steroids, antibiotics, antivirals, and in some places, cool mist therapy. Um, salbutamol plays a role since asthma and bronchiolitis always overlap, salbutamol is always worth a try. However, you should only try it after assessing the oxygenation levels before and the condition of the child before and after the administration of the first dose. If there is no improvement after first dose, stop it. Steroids. Steroids independently are not recommended. However, like we said, in combination with uh, nebulized epinephrine, they have high success rates, but alone, not recommended. <coughs> Antibiotics. Antibiotics, if there is no evidence of a concurrent bacterial infection, not recommended. 
antivirals as much as bronchiolitis is a viral infection and virals play no role since it is a self-limiting illness so that would be over treatment so antivirals not recommended cool mist therapy cool mist therapies these are always sprays they also don't play a role they also don't play a role in the management so all those forms are butamol or any beta beta agonist not recommended steroids not recommended antibiotics not recommended antivirals and coolness therapy so to sum it up how would you go about treating this child whom you have diagnosed with bronchiolitis having discussed the different treatment options that are available so i'd give a rectal antipyretic or injectable but personally i prefer rectal diclofenac 75 or 50 milligrams then i'd also put on oxygen two liters per minute if the, if the circulation rates are below 90 percent i put an iv line and run nomosaline uh, at around the rate of 15 10 to 15 meals per kilogram of the child if i have a nebulizer i would nebulize epinephrine for as long as six hours as long as the child is still there then i would also give normal saline drops hypertonic saline drops to reduce on that nasal congestion then for the child to go home they'd go home with uh, with oral steroids which i think would help since i've nebulized epinephrine and i'd give nothing else So we've seen our treatment, but how do you decide which child gets admitted or doesn't get admitted, which child sleeps at your facility and which one doesn't? Children with signs of severe respiratory distress should be admitted. Children who need supplement oxygen should definitely be admitted. Then children who have dehydration or whom you see they have poor fluid intake, they don't breastfeed well, they are not drinking, they definitely need to be admitted. Children who have uh, cyanosis or who are apneic, most likely they will need intubation, so definitely you admit them. Then children with severe disease should be admitted, children who are toxic. Then also children who have a family which is unable to deliver the treatment very well or with a family which want to recognize the signs of worsening very early. All those need to be admitted. So in summary, we looked at differences for a child who has a cough, fever, and runny nose in the past and now has a, a whiz. We saw our differentials as bronchiolitis, pneumonia, asthma, foreign body, how you differentiate them bronchiolitis has a new whiz and in a child less than two years. We looked at how to examine a child who presents with respiratory distress. We looked at appearance, the work of breathing and saturation. We also discussed investigations and we agreed that there are no routine investigations for a child with bronchiolitis. However, a chest x-ray can be considered if the diagnosis is not clear or if pneumonia is suspected. Bronchiolitis always presents with uh, 
a concurrent bacterial infection. So you can think about doing a full blood workout if you suspect another bacterial infection or if there is sepsis. We also discussed the different treatment modalities for bronchiolitis where we looked at hypertonic saline, nasosuctioning, oxygen therapy, nebulized epinephrine, inhaled uh, bronchodilators or steroids, intubation, all that. However, the recommended treatment is rehydration, oxygen therapy if there are low oxygen saturations, nebulized epinephrine, and intranasal hypertonic saline. Uh, the criteria for diagnosis for admission of these children we have children who have impending severe illness or who are toxic or who need oxygen or who have families which can't cope so that's all for today let us meet next time i'm your host mshabia regan bye